All right. Well, good afternoon. Welcome back into the show. There is a whole bunch of headlines about green energy things. The Biden administration has made quite a bit of fanfare out of how some of these techniques and some of the things they lobbied hard for were playing a key role in the Bidenomics uh, success. But lately, there's been a handful of companies, one specifically, that have been pulling out of some of these contracts because they just seem non-viable. And to fill us in on that story specifically, Dr. Nathaniel Cogley is joining us from Tarleton State University. He's the Associate Professor of Political Science. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cogley. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on. Sorry I messed up your name. It's not, that's not like me. But let's fill us in on this story. Set it up for us, this particular New York case that's so interesting. Well, in 2010, the U.S. Energy Information Agency said that offshore wind power is the most expensive energy generating technology being considered. You know, so leave it to some Democratic run states in the U.S. federal government to say, well, the most expensive. Let's go for that one. Yeah, let's let's have some government mandates and government subsidies on that most expensive. So offshore wind is, is highly inefficient because of the infrastructure is very expensive to build out there in the in the deep water uh, to transmit that energy is expensive and to maintain that equipment out there in the ocean is very expensive in fact it ends up costing around five times the amount that uh, like a gas-powered plant can produce and so this is not a creation of the free market this is a creation of politics government mandates and subsidies and it would be one thing for a, a state like new york to say well we just like this renewable energy source for whatever environmental reasons, so we're willing to pay more for it. But uh, that's not exactly how it plays out, because with federal government subsidies and the budget deficit, you know, we're all paying for it. Your listeners in Detroit are paying for these attempts to have offshore wind out there on the in the New, Eng New England seaboard. You know, and what we have right now with Equinor pulling out of the deal, um, they say inflation, they say interest rates and supply chain issues make their original deal unfeasible at the moment, but they're angling for a rebid and a new deal and higher rates and as many subsidies as possible. So uh, this is the latest salvo in the negotiations, but we're all paying for it. Is the New York State Energy Research and Developmental Authority, are they willing to hear that rebid? Does it seem like this might be something that comes back around or was this a surprise and they said, no way, we can't do it with today's costs? Well, I think they're determined to pursue. Uh, they've set uh, certain standards that they want 70% of their electricity to be renewable, and they want at least nine gigawatts from, from wind power. You know, right now they only have about 30% renewable, and those are from hydro dams, not from offshore wind. Offshore wind is, is highly risky. So um, I believe the state of New York, you know, will, will uh, you know, go through a rebid process. But sure. um they, they they balked at giving the company different terms and were agreed to, but now that the rebid's open, I think that this company's going to still think it's it's going to be able to provide the best offer. But it's just one more part of these things never play out the way they're sold to the public. You know, they're sold at a certain price, and it's going to be cost efficient and renewable right, and all right. these great union jobs. But it always comes in over budget. You're always going to pay more than the government tells you you're going to pay. This is like this year's uh, Obama had the Solyndra problem. It's kind of Exactly. Similar in right. terms of its of its tenor, what is in terms of the actual problem itself with that, with the wind offshore? Is the wind offshore a play to keep it out of what would be the plains or in in sight to people on highways? I mean, is that and it's clearly far more expensive to do it that way just because the building alone, like as you mentioned, why why did they go that route? Is there not enough plane space in New York for them to set them up on land? 
Right. So the on-land uh, wind farms are starting to be some pushback from these rural communities that have them placed there. I guess there's some low-frequency noise generation that, that bothers some of the communities. Also, the wind is more intermittent on land. You know, it's not always blowing as hard, you know, out there in the ocean as, as harder wind. But um, it, it's this has been sold as something that Europe has done quite a bit. China's done a bit. But uh, it's been, always been sold as becoming cost effective in the future based on their projections of cost, but it never actually is cost effective. But it's sold as, hey, there's great powerful wind out there. You know, we can tap into it in a place that doesn't disturb our communities. But of course, the fishermen are complaining about these these offshore wind windmills. So it's more of a like a, you know, it's like this ideal solution that never really is quite justified, but it seems to um, have some political saliency in some circles. Nathaniel, if you remove all the political bias from it and what your, you know, any kind of predetermination might be about the effectiveness or the, the efficacy in general of green power versus fossil fuel, when you hear these conversations as a person who's an expert in it, what's the first thing you drop on them to say, look, most people don't understand this, but... Well, you raise Solyndra, which is a very good example of how government subsidies create corruption and grift. You know, that's basically the government handing out money, picking winners, handing out money to sometimes connected contractors who don't always deliver. You know, the other way that you can try to encourage a certain type of outcome is by taxing the thing you don't want rather than subsidizing the thing you do want. So instead of trying to subsidize some of these projects that aren't really viable, you know, taxing uh, energy that, um, you know, is out there is a better way to discourage that form of energy and let the free market create its alternatives. But, you know, taxing gas and oil is politically untenable. And so this is why they avoid taxing, uh, you know, oil and gas because um, the voters don't want to pay for that. But they're sold some fantasy idea about how these alternative forms of energy are going to be viable. But, you know, you pay for government. You pay for government either through taxes or inflation. And so these offshore wind projects, you're paying for it at the grocery store. Everyone's going to pay for these types of things at the grocery store. Sure. When you look at this entire landscape between solar, for example, and wind, are either one of those viable enough in terms of infrastructure and capability and the production that they're going to have, that they'll ever take a percentage of the fossil fuel dependency away? Or is that just an absolute fallacy at this point? No, I believe, uh, you know, someone like Elon Musk has some credibility with me when he throws out ideas. So he's big on solar and he's big on the idea that certain parts of the earth with high intensity, you know, sunlight can, can generate a lot of electricity. And of course, uh, it, only in the daytime, which is why the, he has this uh, battery development system to to save that energy for the nighttime. But the free market with innovators like Elon Musk can eventually make some of these viable. The problem is when the government jumps in and, and tries to suck the purchasing power out of the free market to do these things before they're profitable, which is mm-hmm. what we have going on in New York and the eastern seaboard. So if, if you give it time and you let the free market operate you can get some solutions, um, but when the government intervenes prematurely, you know they, they don't necessarily solve problems. They sometimes create problems. Yeah. Well, Dr. Nathaniel Cogley, thanks for your expertise on this. I'm sure we'll get calls on this, but in the meantime, thanks for coming on and sharing some of that with us. This is a tangled web, so we'll see how it goes.
Thanks so much. Well, you you heard it there. Look, 800-859-0957. Let's hear from you on this. Do you think that wind is a viable alternative? I'm not sure that it is. I mean, we've seen this happen over and over again. Solar maybe slightly more so. Fossil fuels, the argument kind of rages on. But are we just headed down the wrong road entirely trying to circumvent the problem with fossil fuels? 800-859-0957. Let's get the phones fired up. It's about the only window we're going to have today for talks amongst one another, which I think will be really good. We're back in just a few. <laughs> 